God is indeed spoken through his word, and his word says that if a prophet's words do not come to pass, that prophet has spoken presumptuously. You are neither to listen to that prophet nor to be afraid of that prophet. You are not touching God's anointed by testing prophetic utterances. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9 is misappropriated to excuse error, which is interesting because if we apply the prophetic illogic presented to excuse error, the knowing in part was unknown and not prophesied in part, and it is evident in the words released. Respectfully, this misappropriation of scripture needs to stop. Furthermore, the church is not to blame for failed prophecies, but we are responsible for perpetuating and excusing such conduct. If I could offer one piece of biblical counsel as a former false prophet, it would be to open the Bible and read it. Stop listening to these people. Do not fear them. Fear God. There is a cure to this prophetic pandemic. It is sound biblical teaching rooted in the Word of God. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Scribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Scribe. I recently wrote a blog post titled The Cure for the Prophetic Pandemic. And the reason why I wrote it is because of all the words that were released last year and even a year or two prior to that, that had to do with the election of 2020. And I kind of sat back and didn't say anything for a little while, kept my thoughts to myself, just wanted to see how things went. And last year, with everything that happened, there was, in my opinion, there was a lot of exposure that happened as far as the prophetic ministry was concerned, that there were a lot of generic words that were released and a lot of the same buzzwords, but yet there was no mention of the pandemic prior to it happening. There was no mention of what was going to happen in the election and so on and so forth. And then when the results came out of our election here in the United States, there was, it seemed like that there was turmoil in so many different directions, but especially in the pockets of the church that really rely on prophecy. And I wanted to do a blog post about it because it was of major concern to me and to talk a little bit about some of the concerns I had. And on the podcast, I'll talk about those as well as branch off into other things that for the sake of space on a blog post, I really can't go into depth We're seeing a lot happen with this that it makes me concerned that there could be people that could have their faith shaken because of this, because of trusting in the words of other people rather than going back to what the Word of God says and being rooted in that first and foremost. So the goal of this podcast is not to condemn. It's not to point fingers. I could certainly... in. Under biblical circumstances, I could certainly call out names. I'm not going to do that. I really want to focus on the generality of what's going on so that way you can know what to pay attention to and how to discern because discernment is a biblical thing to do. We are told to discern in the Word of God. Uh, there, We are told to righteously judge as a believer and anybody, I would say this, as anybody that as a believer, as a believer in Christ, if they profess to be a Christian, they have automatically opened themselves up to scrutiny to being righteously judged. I'm not talking about us acting as God and eternally judging someone. I'm talking about righteously judging as what the, the scripture tells us to do within the church. 
and they're opening themselves up professing to be a Christian as someone that discernment needs to be used to see if what they're ministering is the truth. And so that kind of helps us to do away with the whole thought of, well, judge not. Because if we read the scripture in context, we actually are supposed to righteously judge. And we are to have the right heart, the right spirit about it. Obviously, we need to judge according to how scripture tells us to judge. And the whole issue here is, is that we're seeing the evidence of false prophecy and false prophets. And the definition of a false prophet is someone who prophesies incorrectly or falsely and it doesn't come to pass. Now let me say this, just because someone prophesies and it's accurate, that does not mean that they are from the Lord. And I know I've said that before, but it bears repeating. Because a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, look how accurate I am. I have all these prophetic words that have been documented and they've come to pass and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes that can be deceptive because when you go and look at their words and you go to measure up what they said, it may sound like that it came to pass, but it may not. And also, too, just because someone is accurate, that doesn't mean that they're steering people back to God or that they're hearing from God. And we should know that because that there are other areas that people are seeking supernatural experiences. We know that psychics can be accurate, and obviously they are not hearing from God. Let me just say this. I'm going to be dealing with the actual prophets. Now, I'm not going to be dealing with the gift of prophecy, which is a completely different thing. Whether or not you subscribe to that, believe in that, that technically is actually a secondary issue. The foundational belief of who Jesus Christ is, that he died on the cross, that he uh, rose from the dead, and that he satisfied the wrath of God, that we repent of our sins, that we have faith in him alone in order to have eternal life. That is the core foundation of Christianity, and we should be agreeing on that as believers in Christ and going back to scripture and having the foundational core of Christianity that we stand upon. And so I want to talk about the actual prophets that that have said things, especially concerning this election, and they've not come to pass. There's been some teaching that is inaccurate uh, when it comes to the prophetic. When you look at scripture, it would appear that there has been some inaccurate teaching. And one of those teachings involves the fact of saying that prophecy can be wrong and that's okay. We've seen numerous people come out and they've apologized and that's great that they've apologized. I would say that apologizing and repentance are two different things because repentance requires that you change the way you think and you stop doing what you once did. An apology is more of, oops, I goofed up, I'm so sorry, And I'm just going to go on my merry way and acknowledge it. And there have been some people that it seemed like they've truly repented. And there can be people, and I was in this camp of, as a former false prophet, of genuinely wanting to please God and to speak for him. But I was also genuinely and sincerely wrong. And so there are people that are like wolves in sheep's clothing that are trying to benefit off people financially. And then there are people that are genuinely deceived and they don't realize that they're deceived. That's the problem. And so we have several different things that are taught right now or expressed when trying to, I believe, do some damage control on these false prophetic words, these words that have fallen to the ground They've not come to pass, and I want to address some of those things today. And mind you, if you are um, supporting what these words say, you may get frustrated with me, and I just want to give you a heads up on that. 
And I'm not here to throw stones at people. I'm not here to say, kill the, kill the false prophets, because we are under a dispensation of grace. And I also want to talk about that, too, that I, I believe that that's being misappropriated when we talk about grace, grace. Um, and when we talk about the teaching, which concerns me greatly, this teaching of saying, well, we can miss it. In, with prophesying, we can miss it. You know, we're going to practice prophesying. We're going to miss it. We're going to, this is how we grow. And we are misrepresenting God when we do that. We are misrepresenting what scripture says because scripture doesn't support the belief of you can practice prophesying. Doesn't support the fact that you can be activated in prophesying. It doesn't support the fact that it's okay for a prophet to miss it. We're not talking today about the gift of prophecy. I'm not going to get into that. What I'm talking about is someone who says they stand in the office of the prophet and they are saying, this is what God said. And a lot of people said this. They said basically in no uncertain terms said, thus saith the Lord. The concern I have is this. How far are we going to take this in saying, well, the Lord told me and then we're going to go back and say, oh, well, I just missed it. I'm still learning how to hear the Lord. Well, you attributed words to him that he didn't say. Is there any fear in that? Is there any reverential fear in saying that when you say that you're speaking for God and then it's like a, oops, I made a mistake, my bad. I believe we've lost our reverential fear of the Lord. And that's what that's one of the biggest concerns I have through all of this is that we are teaching people to lose their reverence for God. And we're making we're making a mockery of true prophecy that took place in scripture. You're going to struggle when you open your Bible to find any true prophet of God that made an error in their prophetic words, whether in Old Testament or New Testament. Agabus is one of the ones that is abused in Acts chapter 21. He was a New Testament prophet. He prophesied a famine that came. He prophesied in Acts 21 to Paul. He took his belt and bound his hands and feet, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, this is what will happen to you, and the Jews will bind you, and they will turn you over to the Gentiles. And a lot of people take that scripture out of context, and they will also say that Agabus erred, that he missed it. Well, there's a few problems that we have here, is that when we read on past Acts 21, in Acts 23, for example, one of the Gentile leaders, Claudius Lysias, actually confirms in a letter to Felix, I think it's in chapter 23, verse 27, he confirms in his letter that they took Paul into custody, more or less, because the Jews had seized Paul. Even past that, when Paul is making one of his six defenses, he also utters and, and confirms the fact uh, he's backing up what Agabus said, that the Jews seized him and then they turned him over to the Gentiles. Now, people are going to say, well, Agabus was wrong. And so in the New Testament, we're under a different uh, dispensation. We have grace and that that he wasn't accurate. Another thing, well, actually two things I'd like to point out with this. I mean, there's a lot of probably other things that we could point out, but a couple of things I want to point out with this that is an, uh, other areas of concern. I'm going to say concern a lot today because I have major concerns about some of the things that are taking place, okay? And I'm saying this out of, out of a loving concern as someone who was part of this movement, and now I'm seeing a lot of this go on, and it's abusive. It's irreverent, and it's disrespectful to God. And we have got to get back to the truth of Scripture. That's why people are losing 
that are being shaken in this because they put their faith in man's words and they're putting men on par with God, men and women. And that is dangerous. We should never do that. These people are sinful, fallible people. Each of us are sinful, fallible people. And when we attribute the words to God and then we backtrack and say, oh, well, it didn't happen. Or we push the goalpost out and we say, well, it has to be this date. And then when that date passes, then they're saying, well, you just didn't believe enough, church. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray enough. You didn't fast enough. And that is denying accountability and fallibility, frankly. That is not the attitude or the actions of a mature Christian leader. The issue with Agabus is that he was, in fact, accurate and correct. And he said, thus saith the Holy Spirit. So are we going to actually say, let's just think about this for a second. Consider this. Are we actually going to say that Agabus missed it when he said, thus says the Holy Spirit? Are we going to actually accuse him of blasphemy? Because that sounds like what it's bordering on is accusing him of blasphemy when he said the Holy Spirit told him that and he prophesied that out and it did happen. But see, that's the thing is that when we don't read our Bibles, when we don't read scripture, then we can start falling for anything and not understanding. We'll take someone at their face value and and what they're saying, but we've got to learn how to go back to scripture ourselves and be students of the word. So that's one thing. He said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So to say that Agabus missed it is to basically call the Holy Spirit a liar. Second of all, the thing I want you to think about, and I'm not the one that said this, but I heard this recently from another minister who heard it from the original minister was Justin Peters. And a point that he made about Old Testament and New Testament prophecy is, you know, we keep hearing going back to this dispensation of grace that we're under, that we're under a better covenant, and which we are. We're under a better covenant in the New Testament. We're under a better fellowship, better relationship with Christ, better covenant. Well, why would the prophecy get worse under a new covenant? They were held to a very high standard in the Old Testament. Why would the standard drop if it's a better covenant? It shouldn't. The fact of the matter is, is that the standard for prophecy from a prophet never changed. One false prophecy is one too many for a quote prophet of God. And that's the truth. That means there's no room for error in that. Now, what you're going to hear from some of these camps, and you're already probably hearing it, is this double speak. And what I mean by that is when they release a word, you're going to hear some say, this is the word of the Lord. I know that God said this to me. I know that God spoke this to me. This is the word of the Lord. And people are going to latch onto it and they're going to say, yes, my faith is in God and it's in the prophets. Our faith should not be in any man whatsoever. Our faith is in Jesus Christ and him alone. If we start putting our faith and hope in people, we are going to be disappointed. We are going to encounter failure. We are going to encounter heartbreak. We are going to encounter shaking and shaking that will not stand if we're not rooted in Christ. If we're not rooted in the word of God, first and foremost, and know what the word of God says in context, then we are going to lose heart. And we are not to lose heart. We are not to be moved 
because of what things happen. And we certainly don't put our hope in who's in the White House. We don't put our hope in who's in Congress, who's in Senate. We don't put our hope in who's the in the state government, the local government. Yes, we want godly leaders. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign and he is going to have his way. And he doesn't need a particular person in that office to do what he wants to do. He will find a way to do what he wants to do. What I would like to say is this, this double-mindedness that you're going to see, and you're seeing it now. I've heard it. I've watched it, and I've spent hours watching videos, watching ministers during this whole process, and then even after this. You're going to hear people that, that claim to be prophets, and they're saying to hold them to a higher standard of infallibility is dangerous and cultish. I heard one of those ministers say that the other day. Yet, if you question them, it is said that you are touching God's anointed. So which is it? Because if we're going to say that prophets are held to a higher standard, and according to Scripture, they're not allowed to be wrong. They're not allowed to give false prophecies that do not come to pass. And I've also heard people say, well, you know, Isaiah prophesied uh, Jesus Christ hundreds of years before he came. He prophesied the Messiah. Yes, he absolutely did. But we cannot equate what Isaiah did with what's going on now. The fact of the matter is, is that the person that was prophesied to be in office is already born. We're not waiting for him to be born. We're talking about something that was supposed to happen within a specific time frame. And the other thing that is kind of a rub for me personally, so just bear with me for a minute, and it's these are things that I think about with all this. So there was a a time frame that was given. People are getting upset now too. Some of the the quote prophets are saying, "Well, you know, you people that are um, judging these words and they're criticizing them, they're saying, well, you're holding to man's timetable." Well, there's a problem with that though because that's putting a double standard on what happened in 2016 when the election results were called by the news media. Then. There was not an outcry from the prophets of going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I know we prophesied this, but the Electoral College hasn't met yet. They haven't certified the vote. Wait a second. January 20th hasn't rolled around or 21st to have him inaugurated. We need to wait this out, guys. We don't know if this prophecy's really been fulfilled or not. No, as soon as he, the news media confirmed it, immediately it was like, oh, the prophets were right. Now it said, well, you know, we need to wait till it's certified. Well, we need to wait till January such and such. We need to wait till January 18th. Well, January 20th is going to turn around and then these keep, the goalpost keeps moving out. And then when Jan- January 20th rolled around and people began saying something, you all were wrong. You were wrong. These were false prophecies. You need to repent. You need to acknowledge what you did. And instead, there's been across the board, with the exception of a very small handful of people, there is is just holding on, refusing, arrogantly and pridefully refusing to acknowledge what happened. And instead going, well, you know, you're just looking at man's timetable. We need to look at God's timetable or saying that Trump is still president in the spirit. There's a lot of different stuff out there, and it's starting to sound insane. I mean, just going to be honest with you, it's it's starting to sound in, like insanity. As someone who's not thrilled about the whole process that's happened, I'm not, personally, I'm not thrilled with results. I'm not thrilled with how people are conducting themselves. I'm not thrilled about a lot of stuff. But I also have to rest in who God is and trust him along the way. And that doesn't mean that my faith is any less. And it certainly doesn't mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit because I'm saying, hey, we got warning signs here. This is an alarm going off. We've got a problem. We've got to acknowledge that there's an issue here. There is error. 
and it is deviating from Scripture, and Scripture makes it plain in the Old Testament. And people are going to say, well, why are you referencing the Old Testament? Why We're on a better covenant. We're in a new covenant. Why do we have to reference the Old Testament? Well, I would ask the same thing of the prophets that if they have a problem with that. If they have a problem with quoting the Old Testament, why are they bringing up Amos 3-7 all the time? That n- God does nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. If the Old Testament is off limits, then quit quoting it. Quit saying Second Chronicles twenty twenty. Quit saying Amos three seven. Quit quoting First Chronicles sixteen twenty two. Touch not God's anointed and do my prophets no harm. And the Old Testament is just as significant and just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. And the fact of the matter is, it's the same God in the Old Testament as the God of the New Testament. That God has not changed. And he's not changed his mind. And he doesn't take prophecy lightly. When you're speaking for Almighty God and you are attributing words to him, there should be a fear in you that you are speaking for God and you better know that you're speaking for God. And frankly, what we need to be doing is the more sure prophecy, the more sure word of prophecy, according to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, is scripture. We need to be diving into scripture. We need to be studying to show ourselves approved. We need to be getting in the word of God daily and understanding who God is, what he loves, what he hates, how to be the disciple that we need to be, what the conduct is is called of us as a disciple, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in order to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and learn that instead of seeking all these other things that are highly, 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 highly likely not God. They are mimicking as God. And again, I know that this type of talk, it doesn't gain friends. I know there's people that are going to get upset with me. They're going to tune me out. They're going to say, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But the fact of the matter is, is that I care more about pleasing God And I care more about people's eternal souls than I do about anybody's opinion of me. And so these are some of the things that we're encountering right now with this mess that's going on in in this prophetic movement. I believe that God has exposed what's been going on and now people are waking up. I pray that more people wake up and they start getting back in their Bibles and they, they crave sound biblical teaching because having your ears scratched is going to do nothing but lead you further and further into deception. People are teaching myths. They're teaching stuff that is irreverent, that has nothing to do with God, but yet they're stamping his name on it, and we are just eating it. That's what's happening is people are not discerning what they're spiritually taking in, and we've got to do that. We are told to do that, and there is nothing wrong with doing that when we're doing it in a biblical way and we're doing it to glorify God. You know, one thing that really challenged me when I was coming out of this movement and I started reading, there was one particular scripture that has really been, that was a thorn in my side when I was coming out of this and trying to understand things. And that scripture was in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And I want to read that to you here. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, verse 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And when I read that passage of scripture, I am continuously reminded in the Old Testament, there were many types and shadows in the book of Judges. In different times past that God began to appoint different people that would oversee Israel. Israel would fall into sin, they would fall into idolatry, and they would start crying out to God. And what would happen? God would raise up a judge in Judges. And we see this happen. And it was a constant pattern. And then they have peace for a while and then they would fall back into sin and God would hear their cries and he would raise up another judge. Well, though, you know, those judges were fallible, sinful people. It was always pointing to Christ though. Everything I'm telling you is a type and shadow of Christ because guess who's going to be judging the world when the end comes? Jesus is going to be judging. And so you see the judges come and then you start seeing the rise of, uh, you also see the Levitical priests prior to that. You're seeing the high priest and you're seeing him go into the temple and offer the sacrifices for Passover and offer sacrifices for himself to be cleansed. Well, we know that there a better priest came according to Hebrews. There was a better high priest that offered himself as the sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice, Jesus Christ. We see as we go on through the scripture and through the history of Israel, we see that kings came. They were calling for a king and God wanted to be their king, but they wanted a natural king like all the other nations of the earth did. And they got Saul and then they progressed and got David and then the the kingdom split. And then they had all these other kings in both the different divisions of the kingdoms. And some of them did righteous things and some of them were wicked. A lot of them were extremely wicked and did abominations, sacrificed their children, did horrible things that were idolatrous and they were they were adulterous, spiritually adulterous against God. Well, we know that Jesus is the great king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. There was always this groaning and this crying of wanting something and they they didn't realize that God was their all in all and he raised up types and shadows that were always pointing to Christ all along. So then you had the kings and they were failing and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And then the prophets came and the people killed the prophets because they didn't want to hear anything they had to say. Of course, now you have prophets that, you know, they say, don't you dare touch me. And they don't even realize what First Chronicles 16, 22 means is that touch means physically harm. It doesn't mean to not put your mouth on somebody, but it means to physically harm. Nobody's calling for physical harm. And Furthermore, if someone is calling for physical harm for these people, then they need to repent. We don't wish death on them or anything. We wish for them to repent and turn back to the Lord before it's too late. For those that are walking in sin and they don't know God and they're being deceived and they're following after other gods and they're teaching things for shameful gain that they ought not to teach and and on and on. So you see this pattern in the Old Testament. It's always pointing back to Jesus Christ. These were all types and shadows that were pointing to him. And guess what? He fulfilled that. Now he is the great high priest. He's the great prophet. He's the king. He's the judge. He's all those things in one. And it all points back to him. And so reading Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, it messed me up when I was coming out of this because I thought, well, I haven't really paid attention to that. Now God speaks through his son the Word. He speaks through His Son, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He speaks through His Word. The Scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient for giving us the instruction that we need, for correcting us, for helping us to know how to conduct ourselves as Bible-believing, professing followers of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be willing to stick to that standard. But the problem is, is that you're seeing something else dangerously happen. In the midst of all this double-mindedness and some people saying, 
well, you're holding me to a standard of infallibility and that's dangerous and cultish. But yet when I say something, it's the word of the Lord, which by the way, this is the big concern. Another big concern that I have with all this is that we are now seeing people that are saying as in Second Chronicles 2020 and no, Second Chronicles 2020 is not a prophetic thing and we are not ever told to read omens or, or any such behavior. That is actually a cultic behavior and we should not be participating in such behavior. That's behavior I actually used to participate in as a Christian and think that there were significance in numbers in my day when I saw 11s on clocks and different things and I've repented of that because we are told in scripture not to read omens. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 this scripture says they rose early in the morning went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and when they went out Jehoshaphat stood and said hear me Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem believe in the Lord your God and you will be established believe his prophets and you will succeed. Well, this is stripping this passage out of context just for time's sake. We can't really talk about this, but we know this is a well-known passage by many. And it's when Jehoshaphat was facing off with some uh, adversaries and they had cried out to God and fasted and prayed and they had received divine instruction on what to do. And so we see here that people are taking this last half of the scripture in Second Chronicles 20:20, and they're misappropriating it today. And they're saying, well, God said to believe in the Lord your God and you will be upheld and believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And I'm a believer and I'm going to believe God and I'm going to believe the prophets. And again, what we're seeing here along with this, the words of these prophets is the word, capital W, the word of the Lord. It is not the word of the Lord because God is not a liar. He is not a God of confusion. He is not a man that he should lie. They did not come to pass. They are not the words of God. And furthermore, the word, the capital word, the logos of the Lord is scripture. Anything that anybody says today is not on par with Scripture. Now, there will be people that will tell you, they'll speak out one side of their mouth, and they will say, well, we believe that this is the Word of God. Like Scripture, they'll say this is, the Bible is the Word of God. And then out of the other side of their mouth, they will say, this is what I'm saying, this is the Word of the Lord. And they will equate it with Scripture. We are not to do that. And anybody who does that, I would just encourage you to not listen to those people. I believe with everything that has gone on that we have been given a great gift in the church. And that gift is exposure to what is false. And it's a great moment for us to learn and to take note, to ask questions, and to begin to study the Bible if we have not been doing that. There was a quote prophet in one of these broadcasts prior to the election results that said concerning the election, God is using the election to expose the inaccuracies. Now, what he was talking about was the inaccuracies of election fraud and discrepancies and such. And I could not agree with agree more with this statement, except I don't agree with it being in the in that aspect. I'm not going to talk about politics or in the political aspect of it today. I'm focusing again on the prophets and the prophetic. That statement in and of itself, I agree with that because I do believe that God used this, the election and these prophecies, to expose inaccuracies, to expose falsehood. I do believe that. I've wondered that for months. Is God using this to expose what's going on and to wake people up? And I do believe that. There will be people that across the, the table that would say, oh, grace, grace, You're, you have no grace. You have no mercy for these people. Oh, on the contrary, I understand the grace and mercy that's being extended. What bothers me, again, is that grace and mercy are indeed being shown. But 
it's not being recognized because the fact is that not receiving the death penalty mentioned in the Old Testament for falsely prophesying is actually God's mercy being made manifest. See, God's grace is receiving what is not deserved. That is what God's grace is. When we receive grace, we are receiving what is not deserved. We don't deserve grace. And anybody who thinks that they do, they're full of pride. None of us are righteous. The Word of God tells us that none of us are good. None of us are righteous. No one seeks for God. Romans 3 tells us that. And we all need the grace of God. We all need His grace. And His grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And we deserve God's wrath. We don't deserve anything else when we don't know him, when we are enemies of God, when we are children of wrath. We don't deserve anything but his wrath. So mercy, God is is all in one of these. He is merciful. He is just. He is wrathful. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He is all these in one and so many attributes. He's holy. When you think about his mercy, his mercy is not getting what we deserve. So the mercy of God is being extended to these people that are falsely prophesying because if we were still under the Old Testament, there would not be any mercy. The mercy would be lacking. It would be stone them, kill them. But we are seeing God's grace and mercy being on display in this moment to those that will listen and take heed. And that's a beautiful thing to realize that even in the midst of understanding on one side the wrath of God that comes from sin, that comes from things that are not of him. At the same time, there's this beautiful thing of God's grace and mercy that's being extended. That is something to take note of. And the other thing I would say too is this, is that people are going to throw out another scripture passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, I believe. And that, that passage, that short passage is saying, we know in part, we prophesy in part. And that is another um, abuse of scripture. It's another misappropriation of scripture. We need to re- be reading things in context. I would encourage you to do a Bible study to to search those these things out on your own and to look at them. But in context, when we, we can't just take a verse out of scripture and just appropriate it however we want. We have to look at it in the context of what it was, uh, was said, who said it, the audience, why it was said, and how it was said, and know how to apply it if it's to be prescribed to us as Christians. And to say we know in part and prophesy in part is being said a lot. And what I would like to point out is this in regards to this election. If we're going to say, well, you know, we're going to excuse and say, well, well, the scripture says we know in part and prophesy in part. Well, the problem that that I see with that is that the part that should have been known by all of these people that said that that Trump was going to win and he didn't, that part, that part was not prophesied. So that was the part that should have been known. The the part that we know in part and we prophesy in part. That part should have been known, but that part was not known, nor was it prophesied. So again, we're having a problem. This, this scripture kind of crumbles underneath this logic. It's illogic because that's, this wasn't told in part. This was not known and it wasn't told. So we can't even use that scripture here to validate and justify that. And we need to stop doing that. We're misappropriating scripture. We're irreverencing God. We're doing a disservice to people by plucking scriptures out of context, trying to slap them into what we want them to mean, and then going along our merry way and being okay with basically tarnishing the name of God. Now, we, we can't ruin his reputation because he's God. If you get what I'm saying in this, as us acting the way we are, we're not representing God. We're not conducting ourselves in a way that's worthy of his calling as Christians. So we've got to be aware of that. I wanted to share all these things, and I'm, I don't have all the answers, 
And I know that. And I don't know of anybody that does have all the answers, but I do know this is that scripture is truth. And it has the answers when we go to look for it and to search it out and to study it and to understand it better. And scripture is infallible. It is the inerrant, infallible word of God. We can go to it. We can trust it. It's sufficient. It's authoritative for our lives. Man is not authoritative in the sense that they can tell us and be on par with God. We are to respect leaders. We are to honor leaders, even wicked people. We are to respect their God-ordained authority. At the same time, if they are instructing us to do something that is forbidden by God in Scripture, we do not do that. But yet we can still respectfully and honorably say, with all due respect, I expect your God-ordained position. However, I'm not going to bow down to do what you're saying because this is what Scripture says. This is why it's so important that we know what the Bible says and we go back to it. Because if we don't, we are going to believe anything. My urgency to you in all of this, and I want to leave you with this, is we need you and I both. We have got to stay in the Word. That's the best counsel I can give you right now. Open your Bible and read it and stop listening to these people. Stop listening to them because they're showing time and time again, not just with this election and not just with the pandemic. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. There, this, this is truly a prophetic pandemic. It is a sickness that has hit the church and we have got to go back to the Word of God, not to the words of man that are saying that God said something and he didn't say it. We've got to go back to scripture that is authoritative. We've got to open the Bibles, read it. We've got to turn these people off, quit listening to them, quit giving them money, quit buying their merchandise. And we've got to get back to the truth and to the ways of the Lord. And we need to not fear man. We need to fear God. And the cure for this prophetic pandemic is going to be sound biblical teaching rooted in the word of God. And that's the answer to this. That is the best spiritual inoculation that you're going to have is to open your Bible and read it every day and get in the word and study, get in a Bible study, get you some, some uh, re biblical references that you can start searching out things in scripture, get a hunger and passion for the word of God. And that will build greater, that's going to help build so much more greater intimacy in your walk with the Lord than you ever thought possible. Because when you get the word in you and it's written on your heart, then you're not going to want to sin against God. You're going to want to know what his, what his ways are. You're going to want to have his word that is a light to your, a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You're not going to want to walk in any sort of darkness. You're going to want to walk in his ways. And you're not going to be able to walk in his ways if you don't have his word written on your heart and you're not going to know the truth and the right way to go in the narrow way, meditating on his word and get it into you to where you know what the word says. And when someone tries to tell you something that's a wind of doctrine that's trying to blow you around, then you're going to say, nope, I know what scripture says and have, be willing to have tough conversations with people. And it doesn't have to be an argument. It can easily be something, well, have you considered this? Well, scripture says this, but this minister said this. So can you help me understand why this is conflicting with the two, why scripture doesn't agree with what they're saying? It's very easy to have these conversations if we're willing to do it, but we've got to be willing. So get back in the word if you're not in the word. Get rooted in the word. And if you're listening to these people, you need to use proper discernment and you need to shut them off. And I pray that these people begin to truly repent and turn from ways that are dishonoring God and that they come to really serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they're walking in darkness and listening to anything that's not of God, that they repent of that, recognize it for what it is, turn the other direction and begin to go in the ways of God. 
I bless you guys today. I hope that this has been a blessing to you, that it's encouraging you and challenging you at the same time, because we are in times that we've got to know the truth because the truth will set us free. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.